Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. And tonight, our Cleveland Cavaliers took on the Chicago Bulls for the second time this season after getting the past several days off after their game in Paris against the Nets. They entered the game 22-15 and as the fourth-seeded team and winners of their last four games. Chicago, meanwhile, entered at 19-22, and which is good for ninth in the Eastern Conference. Look, these are two teams heading in two very different directions. Cleveland, despite its woeful injury look, for those of you who may be living under a rock or just started watching, has racked up the ninth most games due to injury this year with 110 total games lost due to injury. Yet despite that, they have managed to climb the Eastern Conference standings. A pretty damn impressive feat considering the level of talent they are missing in both Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. They entered the game 9-3 without the services of those two, and now they are 10-3. For some fans, those temporary absences, and yes, that's the key word here, temporary, were a death sentence or a signal to fold up shop. To others, such as myself, this was a chance to really get to see the depth that this team has to work with. It was a chance to see some of the burgeoning talent get real run. Guys like Craig Porter Jr. and Sam Merrill were finally going to get a real opportunity to shine, or at least we hoped, right? In the case of Merrill, he has quickly become one of the game's best shooters. It doesn't matter where it's coming from or how it's taken. In the corners, he's money. Pulling up, he's cash. Catch and shoot, he's your man. But where he's perhaps most proficient is when he's coming off of screens. Merrill is knocking down a blistering 42.5% of his triples and has knocked down 51 total in just 23 total appearances. That's over 2.2 per game, folks. He's as close to a flamethrower as it gets for this team, and it couldn't have come at a better time. He is now completing a staggering 46.3% of his catch and shoot triples this season on 4.1 attempts. He is proficient from all over when taking the triple, but where he's at his best is from above the break, where he's attempted 97 total shots, making 39.2% of them. If you get him the ball above the break, he is likely to cash it. It's lovely. In the case of Craig Porter Jr., he has typically been very productive when he gets real run, but that's the thing. He isn't seeing time regularly in areas where he probably should. When CPJ plays 10 or more minutes, he is averaging 10.6 points, 3.8 rebounds, and 4.6 assists. He is also completing 50.3% of his field goals on the season. That, to me, that screams backup point guard. He is more than capable of assisting this team, especially without Darius Garland out there to steady things. I cannot understand for the life of me why he isn't getting consistent minutes at this point. Much like the prior game, Cleveland rolled into halftime with a pretty substantial lead, 46-60 to 60 to be exact. And in that first half, the Cavaliers looked like a well-oiled machine. Multiple Cavaliers appeared to bring their A game. Donovan Mitchell led the team with 17 at the half, lighting up the Chicago defense with a trio of triples and some well-timed drives into the interior of their defense. George Niang, who came into the game averaging 11.6 points in 5.8 boards while completing 50% of his triples with really good volume, I might add, once again had it going, drilling three triples, each of them coming in a first quarter that saw the Cavs pour in 40 points on the Bulls. Sam Merrill, who I discussed earlier, nailed three first-half triples himself on his way to another productive outing. And boy, I gotta add this. The Chicago Bulls are terrible at defending the three-point shot. They didn't have a body on Merrill at all. And considering just how Sam has made defenses pay for that type of thing, I am very surprised that Chicago didn't game plan for him. 
Thurman Karras Levert providing some much-needed shot creation and playmaking off the bench, as well as Jared Allen's continued all-star level play from the center position, and you get a perceived shellacking courtesy of the Cavs, right? Well, at least that's the direction the game appeared to be heading in going into the half. It was very similar to the Brooklyn game in that regard, in which Cleveland led 54-34 to entering that halftime. But just as it did against BK, the offense got ice cold, like Antarctic-level frozen. It didn't start out that way, as the Cavs would open the third frame by scoring 17 points in the first six minutes. But then the offense sputters. They managed just three points the rest of the quarter. Three points in over six minutes of play, ladies and gentlemen. And this gave way to a 28-6 run by Chicago, which resulted in them taking an 81-80 lead early in the fourth, after Kobe White made two free throws. The crazy part? Cleveland had been up 74 to 53 prior to that with 653 left in the third. Mitchell scored 10 of the team's 23rd quarter points himself, and honestly, had he not been out there, this could have quickly devolved into a much different scenario. He kept them afloat. Overall, they shot a combined 36.4% in the third on an atrocious 21.4% from three-point distance. And the thing is, it wasn't like Chicago was clamping them up defensively. Cleveland honestly had some really good looks, but the only thing they were shooting was themselves in the foot. I watched the likes of Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, Max Struess, Karis LeVert, and George Niang. Lord, especially Niang, clicked shot after shot off the rim. Hell, there was a stretch in which Niang just appeared to miss three or four shots in a row, and I was beginning to pull my hair out. Now, here's the thing. With 344 left in the third with no true point guard out there and Donovan Mitchell subbing out of the game to catch a breather and Max Strew subbing in for him, J.P. Bickerstaff put out a lineup consisting of Karis LeVert, Sam Merrill, Max Strews, Niang, and Tristan Thompson, who we are going to talk about in a bit. And yes, before you say to yourself, well, Mac, Karis LeVert can function perfectly fine in spurts as the elite guard. Believe me, I get that. I really do. I'm a huge fan. He lined up wherever the Cavs have needed him to since being acquired. I understand that. But you're telling me that you can't find a few minutes for Craig Porter Jr. in this type of situation when your team is shooting poorly and there isn't a lot of orchestrated offense occurring. Come on. Like, really? Maybe it's just me, but I thought the Cavs could have really used a change of pace and a little burst off the bench. That could have come in the form of Craig Porter Jr. I don't know. Just a thought, but maybe it's just me. Now, playing devil's advocate here, there isn't a ton of lineups you can put Craig Porter Jr. out there with, especially when you don't have a ton of depth at the big positions. The four and five rotation right now is basically Dean Wade, Jared Allen, George Niang, and Tristan Thompson until Evan Mobley comes back. If you are trying to get Jared Allen a breather, you only have one real option at the back of five, and that is Tristan Thompson. And if Niang isn't shooting well, there isn't so much shuffling you can do to change things up. CBJ doesn't particularly shoot the three ball with a ton of volume either. That is another thing working against him. He... He, he doesn't reliably space the floor yet, and I wonder if that's one of the reasons JB doesn't play him. There's also the two-way eligibility aspect to it as well, but based off of JB's post-game comments after the Nets game, I thought maybe this would be an opportunity for him, but no. It was another DMP coach's decision. The ball had energy and electricity to it. Even without Dominic Mitchell on the court, the Cavs tried to use a bevy of off-ball and stagger screens to free up one another for good looks, and they got them, right? They just couldn't knock them down, and Chicago really capitalized on that, and credit where it's due, right? The Bulls got some really good production out of a number of their players in that third frame. Ayo Dosumo, Nikola Vucevic in particular, as they combined for 19 of Chicago's 31 third quarter points. 
They also locked in a bit more defensively. No doubt in large part to players like Ao and Alex Caruso, who remains one of the league's better two-way players thanks to his tenacity on defensive end, as well as his ability to knock down the three ball. And just for your information, right, FYI, Caruso is knocking down over 41.6% of his triples this season. That is a player I'd love to have on this roster. Alas, the Cavs suffered through that slump and entered the latter stages of the game, trending in the wrong direction. At one point, they had missed 12 of their last 13 shots. Thankfully, they snapped out of it as Donovan Mitchell got reinserted at the start of the fourth and Cleveland was able to right the ship. They were able to cool down Chicago and held them to just 14 points in the fourth and final frame while scoring 29 points of their own. Dean Wade caught fire at the right time as he knocked down three triples in the fourth. And boy, oh boy, could it have come at a better time from him. Wade scored as many points tonight as he did in his last four games combined. If they can get him going, it would be big. Honestly, just just huge if they can get him going. On the season, he is averaging 36.8% from three-point distance. And for him, we've always known that he could stress it for. It's just always been a matter of confidence, it seems. If he gets a window, he needs to pull the trigger. And lately, it just hasn't seemed to be the case with him. Dean actually ranks number one as a wing stopper, according to B-Ball Index, by the way. That's ahead of guys like Herbert Jones, Haywood Highsmith, Alex Caruso, and Robert Covington. People need to put a bit more respect on his name because a lot of nights he isn't called upon to put up a ton of points, but rather take on tough defensive assignments in that front court, especially with the likes of Evan Mobley not out there. And Dean wasn't the only Cavalier to knock down timely shots in that fourth. Karis Levert also put in work as a shot creator and maker as well. He actually belled Donovan Mitchell out a few times as the ball got loose. We needed his creation, and bro, there was no way you can look at what he's done this season and not be impressed. He continues to look like the sixth man of the year candidate most of us pegged him to be heading into the season. Now, Karis LeVert has averaged 18.4 points, 5.4 assists, and 4.2 rebounds in his last five games, and he is upping his three-point percentage as well. He is now up to 35.1% on the season as a whole. Donovan Mitchell steadied things, Jared Allen locked Vucevic down, and I might add that he finished with his ninth straight double-double. That's the longest streak of double-doubles in his career. And he is now averaging one on the season at 14.6 points, 10.1 boards, and a career best three assists. That might be the most impressive part. Things I loved from this game. The Cavs didn't allow a single bull to crack the 20 points mark. Kobe White, who has been having somewhat of a breakout season, I suppose, led the way with 18 points, but shot just 5 of 15 from the field. Dean Wade finally scored in double figures again. It had been eight games since the last time he did that, and he has only reached double digits in just five games this year total. Donovan Mitchell finished with 34 points in what would become his 12th game of the season with at least 30 points. He is currently ranked sixth in the NBA at 28.1 points per game. The Cavs took 57 total triples tonight. That's the most in franchise history. The previous high was 52 in a 144-99 victory over the Toronto Raptors back on December 26th of 2021. The Cavs drilled 22 in that game. They knocked down 20 in tonight's game. Also, the Cavs are 4-0 all-time when taking 50 or more triples. Maybe they've cracked the proverbial code. Jared Allen continues to dominate the offensive glass. The 3.5 offensive rebounds per game he is currently averaging is the highest mark of his career to date and also ranks second in the NBA behind Clint Capella. 
he is a big reason why the Cavs rank fourth in second chance points. He has been attacking the glass like a ferocious beast this season. And last but not least, over the last 13 games, the Cavs bench ranks fourth in scoring at 46.5 points per game. You love to see it. Things I hated from this game. Number one is obviously the continuation of a familiar narrative. Craig Porter Jr. cannot crack this injury-ridden Cavs rotation, and it saddens me, but I understand to a degree. I just got to remind myself that the future is in good hands with him, and he's still just a two-way player, right? Also, Max Struess and Isaac Okoro shot a combined 1 of 12 from three-point distance. Now, obviously, Struess is dealing with some knee soreness, and we weren't even sure he would play, to be honest, and I can look past it. You know, I'll look past it just because of that. In the case of Okoro, I feel torn. On the one hand, we clamor for more volume from him on that three-point shot. And to be fair, he has taken 11 over his last two games combined. But on the other hand, you got to knock it down too. You can't become a respectable shooter without first and foremost doing that. He's shooting 35.1% from distance this season. Hopefully that number rises. Now, in other news, you might have noticed that Cavs center Tristan Thompson was sporting a nude number or rather a familiar one. That's right. Double T has been given his old number 13 back. Thompson came into the league wearing number 13 when he was selected with the fourth overall pick in the 2011 draft by Cleveland. He went on to wear that specific number for 11 seasons, nine with the Cavs over the course of 619 games. And thanks to the retirement of Ricky Rubio, who had laid claim to it in his absence, the number was once again up for grabs for Thompson to take over. And in other words, it was returned to its rightful owner. Thompson is one of just seven players to wear number 13, but is perhaps the most well-known to Don. And honestly, when I think of that number in relation to the Cavs, it will always be Thompson that I picture pulling down offensive rebounds and switching out onto the perimeter against the Warriors in those finals runs or throwing down thunderous dunks off of LeBron James and Kyrie Irving lobs. And more recently, being the veteran presence for a very young Cavs team. I hope Tristan Thompson retires a Cavalier. I sincerely mean that. Also, we got a bit of positive news as it's been reported by numerous media outlets that Darius Garland got the wire holding his doll together removed. He has been cleared to resume basketball-related activities. And according to Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com, Garland wasn't permitted to do any kind of physical exertion with team doctors wanting to keep his heart rate from going up. It's also been reported that he will likely need at least one week to get back into playing shape after such a lengthy, restricted absence. And apparently, Garland is targeting a return before the end of this month. Cleveland has gone 10-3 and during the combined absences of Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. That's tied for the second best record in the league during that stretch with the Boston Celtics and Denver Nuggets. The only team with more wins during that stretch is the Utah Jazz, who have seen a recent surge thanks in large part to the inclusion of former Cavalier Colin Sexton into the starting lineup. You'll love to see it. This Cavalier team, despite going through a ton of adversity to begin the season, is starting to pick up the pace and they're thriving and they don't even have their best players out there. With that being said, the Cavs are trending upwards. Good place for me to end it. If you'd like to reach out to me, you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of the review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and I will send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. Have a good night.